I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Flint Jamison. Flint spent 20 years in aerospace uh, as an engineer and program manager, and now he's finding a path to early retirement through um, real estate investments. Um, Flint, I'm gonna stop there on your bio because I am excited to sort of let you share your story with us. But um, first of all, I just wanna say thank you for coming on the show today. Um, really appreciate the time. I know uh, as of this recording, we talked about early for both of us. So uh, so yes, definitely appreciate yes. you appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't you go ahead and kind of just, just tell us your story, give us your background, kind of a little bit of a, um, you know, story behind the success, and then we'll, we'll dive into, you know, kind of whatever topics are interesting. To yeah. Me. Yeah. So as you said, engineer and program manager, uh, I modify aircraft for the military. I run a $120 million program, um, consider it monster garage for, uh, for the military on aircraft. Um, but back in 2018, I got involved into real estate. I did my own residential. I did a duplex. I burned it. Um, it was good. There's a there's a fun story behind it, but I, I don't know that we'll dive in there. Uh, I've done that plenty of times on other podcasts if people want to see it. But uh, I, I got into syndications immediately after that duplex. I, I burned it and decided this this is not the path to early retirement, or it's not a quick path, and it's a it's an expensive path. It takes a lot of capital to do things by yourself. So switch to syndications. Um, I uh, I got into the webinars and taught myself podcast books. And then, um, yeah, this year has really been the year that, that I got started. Um, uh, really hit the ground running. Last year, we, we kind of had a failure of a, a 23 unit that we, we couldn't close on. So we had to back out of that deal. And then I turned around and partnered, and now uh, I'm a capital raiser, oddly enough. Never expected myself as an engineer to turn into an, a capital raiser, but here I am. It's been a bit fortuitous because I can be a capital raiser remote. Um, it's a, a, you know, the acquisitions people really have to be traveling around, talking to brokers, a lot of on-ground due diligence inspections and stuff. So this has allowed me to do my W-2 and do syndications at the same time. But since then, I've done a fund of fund. I've, I've, I'm a fund manager, and uh, now I'm getting into build-to-rent properties. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, I think that the, um, you know, sort of interesting... I mean, a lot of, a lot of things there that are um, kind of relevant. I think, you know, it, it's... A lot of my guests have found, okay, I started with, you know, some you know, duplex or quad or something like that, whatever their, you know, residential aspect of their investing was. And then they kind of realized that the ability to scale and, and do more was was found in, in you know, larger deals, you know, syndication type deals. Yes. Um, and the point about 
you know, being a capital raiser, being related to having a W-2 is is something that have come up before, because I think it, I mean, you're 100% right. If you're doing acquisitions or you're asset managing or things like that, it is very hard to uh, sort of maintain the W-2 job, especially in some instances, you may not have the flexibility at your W-2 job. Yeah. Whereas capital raising allows you to kind of do both, right? Because it's more of a, um, I don't know, you don't, like you said, you can be remote. You don't have to be there. You're not sitting yep. down and going to these investors' houses. Um, yep. So, I mean, maybe let's just start there a little bit. How do you, how do you manage that, um, that process in terms of, you know, you, your, your capital raising, your fund management, all of that? How did you kind of move into because it doesn't sound like it's been that long if it's kind of been this year that, yes. that's quite a bit so, that you've done in a year <laughs> I, yeah a little over a year ago like i said we we tried to do uh me and some new partners tried to do a 23 unit local to me i was the boots on the ground i was doing all the due diligence inspections um the reason we couldn't close on the deal was was many many factors uh we kind of had the perfect storm but we couldn't raise enough capital. I think if we had enough capital, we could have pulled it off through all the other challenges. Um, so immediately after that, I turned around and got mentorship and you know, solved my weak spot. And that's where I, I it kind of fell into place. So that was August of 21. By November, I I had all my systems set up with, with my mentorship. I had a website, I had a, a campaign, you know, email funnel. Uh, I had all the right things in place and I was starting to market myself on social media. And at that point, I, I had been talking with a very experienced operator for about a year and uh, I, they had an opportunity coming up. I asked them if I could join on and do my first raise with them. They said, absolutely. They, they get it. Everybody's been through their first raise. It's, it's one of the most humbling experiences. Sure um we tried to do a raise over the Christmas season, which was exceptionally difficult. I don't think I'll try to repeat that again. But uh, yeah, we weren't able to close until February. And then so that that's how it became my first deal. And that was February this year. Awesome. And by March or April, I turned around and, and uh, got a fund opportunity. What a, I understand. So to talk a little bit about the fund. We talk about, you know, sort of, you don't have to go into the nuts and bolts of how you form a fund, but yeah. why you might, as the, as the GP side, why you might like the fund and also talk about it from the LP side. Why would, why would you think that is, you know, kind of beneficial to your investors? Why did you go, you, you went that way, you went that route pretty quickly. I think I know a yeah. lot of people end up with the fund model, but yeah. maybe talk about that thought process because it is interesting um, I think, at least in my head, I can, I've not done a fund yet, but in my head, I can imagine why it's good as a as the the GP. But um, maybe go through some of that, you know, the, the pros and cons on both sides. So uh, that's such a great question, and the benefits of being a capital raiser. I can. Everybody needs money. Every operator needs money, and a lot of times when they want to scale. They need money, so they'll partner with people like me that can bring um, some some capital. So on this particular one, 
yeah, we could go down a rabbit hole on funds, blind funds, evergreen funds, fund of funds. This one in particular was a fund of fund. It is a one-off. Um, the primary fund is a portfolio of three properties, 750 units total, uh, two different states, three different cities, three different types of business strategies, two asset classes, right? It's just kind of, so one $50,000 investment for uh, an investor gets an equity in these three different properties. And it's totally diversified because not only the three different cities, but it's three different business plans. There's a class A, a brand new class A off the developer. The other two are late uh, 1980s value adds. One's, one's really small. That's like a quick turn three year. The other two are a five-year business plan. So you can imagine um, you're gonna, we're going to have three different properties moving at three different paces with uh, different cash flow, different um, upside at the sale. So it's it's this really, just from an LP perspective, it's a, it's a great investment because if one kind of underperforms, the other two can outperform. It's just kind of a best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, it's so it's from a LP side, it's, it's a diversification play. I think ultimately, right. Exactly. You're looking at, and, and I know some people, some funds will be fairly specific, right? It's like, we're going to create this fund and it has all, you know, B class value add multifamily or whatever, yes. whatever, you know, or, or all mobile home parks, whatever people want to do. But I think, in, in a lot of funds are with one specific operator, right? The operator might Correct. create their own fund, but you're, are, are these all with the same operator or are you kind of providing yeah. your investors to diversification amongst operators as well? So this is different operators as well. Um, the, the primary fund was originally set to be 50 million. Now, by the time we got the three properties, it was 32 million. Um, but that primary fund is the, uh, I would say the primary capital and KP and lender, they, they did a lot of that GP side work for the three different operators. Um, but to raise the 30, ultimately the 32 million, they went out and got some help. They can raise 20 million on their own, but to get that, that the rest, they needed help. So they, they invited other people like myself, which is why we called it a fund of a fund. So I come in at my fund as a limited partner to the primary fund. And then I, I have all the investors. So the way it works really is they give us a different pref. They give us a higher preferred return so that we can scrape some off the top. Our limited partners actually get a better return than if they were to invest directly into the primary fund. But there's enough preferred return on the top to pay for our expenses and to pay for ourselves as well, because it turns out it's a lot of work just to manage a fund. So yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of the mechanics behind it. Yeah. I'm sure that the, the, you know, financials reporting, all of that stuff is, is probably no different than it is, you know, if you're investing primarily, or if you're, you're on the GP side of a primary syndication yep. um, and perhaps even more, if your fund has, you know, multiple different projects that it's in, you kind of have to, to, you know, sort of keep track of everything that's going into it. Um, yeah. We'll talk about a little bit what your, you know, sort of, how do you, when you talk to potential investors, what are you telling them? What What's kind of, how do you, 
you know, I, don't, I always hate to use the word like sell, sell it or pitch it or whatever, but, but what's your process in terms of, you know, kind of, kind of reaching out to other investors? I know you said you, you set all your systems in place and all of that. How, yeah. how do you, how do you manage that? Uh, a lot of my own time. Uh, you're actually talking to me at a very interesting time in my uh, entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, it's a business, right? Um, I'm engineer program manager. I'm not classically trained salesperson or marketer. I've kind of learned along the way. Uh, I've done things that I would say I, I regret because I just like, oh, that was a really poorly written email. That was a, that was a classic engineering email and I went out to <laughs> LPs. Um, but uh, I do LinkedIn. Uh, that's that's really where I spend all my time because that's all the bandwidth I have. But uh, and now I'm I just as of three days ago hired a marketing company, so I'm going to expand much beyond that. I'm even talking YouTube ads. Um, yeah, I don't know where this is going to go. I'm going to let the the marketing experts decide, and we'll drill in. But ultimately, from a limited partner, if if a passive investor finds me, say on LinkedIn, and they contact me, sign up on my website, my database, ultimately they end up on the phone with me. They ask a lot of questions because most people don't know anything about it. So uh, back to the, I'm not a classically trained salesperson. The, the best thing I know how to do is educate. And that's really what everybody wants. So it turns out to be a really great sales tactic. Yeah. Because yeah. if you can educate, you give them confidence in, in right. what we do. Right. We're, yeah. Because... I mean, it, it, if you're if you're trying to hard sell them, you're probably going to turn a lot of people off, especially people that are not not or that are new to the space. They've never invested in real estate before, so yeah. you, you're really you know sort of providing that opportunity. Um, and are you so if you're sort of focused exclusively through LinkedIn, and that's kind of your uh, as you said, your bandwidth. And it, it is, I, yeah. I think a lot of people say, you know, when it comes to social media, pick pick one and kind of <laughs> really focus on that yeah. one before you kind of go on and, and start adding to it. So um, it makes total sense. With your, you know, kind of now you have marketing, what is your outlook? What's your, what's your goals? You know, kind of what are you trying to do with, with uh, the expansion of it? Yeah, so um serendipitously what i've found is as a capital raiser partnering with experienced operators um i get to bring my investors a broad portfolio that that they can really diversify with because um i mean nothing against the the, the exact the operators themselves because a lot of times they are very specific and they need to be they need to be the i i buy in dallas fort worth only class b 1980s vintage value add blah 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 um, they're experts at that and that's how they do so well and i want to partner with those niche experts um, but i can partner with say the rv park guy because lo and behold those numbers are really good uh, build to rent we're going into next new development uh, we can talk about that um, I like I said I did the fund to fund because that was something that happened to fall in my lap and it was a really great opportunity for investors so I can really diversify the portfolio 
Yeah. Well, that's a great segue there because I did want to talk about build to rent. I know that's kind of the direction that you're headed. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about you know what you like about it. What you know, sort of why you feel like that is the the direction you want to head. Yeah. So first, we'll we'll start off defining what build to rent is. Um, we are literally building a community of uh, starter homes. They're they're small, thousand fifteen hundred square foot homes. They come with a little, we call it a postage stamp front yard, backyard, but the whole community is built similarly to, uh, I guess, like a class A apartment building where you have a property management, you have all the amenities, the pool, um, we're going to have a pond, you know, a, a walking trail. Uh, so this is a transition from people who want to get out of apartments but still can't afford to buy a house. As everybody knows, what it costs to buy a house is really high these days. Um, the millennials are in their peak uh, family building years and they really want their own four walls. So the, the built rent started, it feels like it only started a few years ago, but it's really starting to take off now. And, um, the institutions, the big institutions are pumping tons of money into these, uh, which which kind of also shows the demand for uh, just the demand. Renters want these, want to rent their own home. It feels like a home for them, not just another apartment. So uh, yeah, and we're providing supply. There's a three and a half to 4 million uh, housing shortage in the US and somebody's got to build. So we're building, we're kind of meeting this, this, this need in the middle of providing some supply and providing a, a home for people who want one. Yeah. It, not trying to, I want, I want to sort of play devil's advocate because I've had some yeah. of these questions um, in, in my own mind, I guess, about build to rent. There's, of course, everybody wants to like talk about their asset class as it's the greatest asset class ever. So <laughs> yeah. that's, they're all good for different reasons. And I always tell people like, need to know your investment strategy and, and really figure out what you believe in. So, yeah. but with build to rent, here's my, like, I, I, from a tenant standpoint, yeah, totally understand. It makes, it makes sense, right? It's like, of course, you'd rather rent a house than a, than a, a, you know, apartment because yeah. you have your own space, like you said, your own four walls, um, and you can still have those amenities. From a operator slash builder standpoint, it it in a way doesn't make exact sense to me because one, you know, we people talk about like, oh, if I do multifamily, I've got one roof over all of these you know, particularly yeah. units. Well, so now you're you're stepping back to, because a lot of people go from, like you went from a duplex to now you're doing syndications. And so people will go and what that's one of the things they'll say, right? Like, oh, now I, now I have one roof over all of these different units. And then the other thing is from a, um, I guess that's an operator type question. Now, the good thing is these are new right now, right? If you're building it, so you're not going to have the same, yeah. you know, repairs and things like that. But the um, the other thing is land. So yeah, obviously that's we, you're right. We have millions of housing units that we need to to fill. But isn't the more efficient way to fill that? 
an apartment building, multifamily than building. So it's like, I, I, I mean, and it, yeah. I, again, it's I'm not trying to be argumentative. I just I I hear people talking about it. You know, everybody, like I said, has their own. This is this is the best way to go. But but what are your what are your thoughts on some of those things? I just yeah. think those are those are interesting topics to to you know to dive into. No, you're you're absolutely right. If if our goal was to backfill the three and a half to four million dollar and four million uh, shortage on homes, it probably is most effective to put them all under one roof and say mm -hmm. an apartment building. But um, we know in life that. I mean, there's people building luxury homes mostly because right. they want them, right? There's a demand. Right. So right. we're building towards the demand. Um, from a maintenance standpoint, yeah, they're going to be a little harder, but we we can demand premium rents beyond class A level out of these. So it justifies the means. Um, and, and to be honest, uh, it was 20 in 2021 last year there was 50 to 75 billion dollars of the institutional money going towards built to rent and they don't build all they do is buy from us the builders so right. um yeah the, the demand's there the other cool thing from a let's talk from the investor standpoint um there's new development multifamilies going on too i've got a lot of friends that are building apartment buildings uh the the biggest downside from an investor standpoint on those is you have to wait a really long time before you get paid because you put your money in, you're still cutting dirt, you're, you still have to do the vertical build. You don't get paid until they populate that apartment building and then ultimately sell it. But um, they can't populate an apartment building until it is 100% complete and the engineer signs off on it. With built to rent, it's kind of fun because yes, you don't get paid until something's built, but we plan on doing what we call 10 to 15 starts a month. We will start building 10 to 15 a month. Subsequently, we will finish 10 to 15 a month. Um, and as soon as those that first tranche of houses is done, we're going to start populating. So we could have 10 houses populated while we're building the next 10 to 15 and, and subsequently thereon. So we get to start cash flowing much sooner than an apartment building does. Makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. It's, it is, it's just points to the couple things. Like it's hard to go wrong in real estate, right? There's a lot of different yeah. opportunities there and, and yeah. it, it comes down to, you know, kind of whatever you believe in. And I, I think, you know, building to the demand makes total sense. You're right. Like people, uh, whether it, it, this isn't just with housing, but I mean, whether it makes financial sense or not for them, people kind of want what they want. And so I think sometimes that, uh, that's probably to me, the most appealing thing about build to rent is that, is that just, as you mentioned, set, like people don't want to be in an apartment, but maybe can't afford to buy the house. So here's, yep. here's my in-between step. Yep. Um, I think one thing you didn't touch on that I, that I would, think is probably an option is in terms of exit strategy you have multiple yes. in that you could as you said you could sell this whole build to rent community to an institutional investor or you can sell each home off yeah individually and you know kind of capitalize that way so i, I think uh all of those i mean all of those points are are great that you made it's it's just very interesting to me to always hear like what the 
why someone chooses to go down whatever you know sort of road they're they're going because uh not i don't I don't want to have shiny object syndrome, but but I like to know kind of what the options are out there. And so I think maybe that yeah. points to your your fund to fund in that someone someone who as an LP who might have shiny object syndrome can use that to their advantage and be like, I'm gonna now I can get into all these different things that I think are cool and see how they all how they all perform. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There's so many different options out there. I've I've seen hotels uh hotel conversions to apartments yep. there's so many different ones but you're right yeah i um i obviously don't want to get into the the shiny object syndrome either because i got to do right by my investors but i think uh, that there are a lot of unique opportunities within just multifamily alone like i could do a new dev apartment building and it's barely any different than built to rent I'm actually invested in a bunch of those too. So. Yeah. As an yeah. LP. It's just, yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, diversity, uh, I think goes a long way in terms of, in terms of building your portfolio, especially as a, an LP, I think you can, that's where you can kind of take those, uh, take those chances. And, and because as you mentioned, if you're an operator, you want to be dialed in, right. you want to, you want to pick, your market, maybe a couple of markets, but you don't want to yeah. be invested in, you know, 25 markets uh, as an yeah. operator and trying to build a team in each of those. So it's, uh, it, but, but as an LP, you can kind of have the best of both worlds. You can get those returns and you can kind of say, okay, I want to see how all of these different asset classes perform with all of these different operators. And then, you know, have that overall portfolio diversity. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, well, Flint, let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. I want to, uh, get the chance to ask you the questions that I like to ask every guest. Um, okay. the first of what, which is based on the name of the show being know your why. So, so what's your why, what, what drives you towards success? Yeah, this is such a great question. Um, uh, I originally started out just wanting to have a lot of passive income or secondary streams of income. Um, and then I thought, wow, this could be early retirement. Cool. You got to dig further. Um, ultimately what's the driver is I really, uh, want to have that financial geographic and time freedom so that I can provide a, uh, a different life for my children. Like, I love to travel. I think it's important to travel and visit, visit other cultures. Um, I've done a lot myself. And um, and then be able to give back. And, and in order to, to have the time freedom in order to do all of that, I got to have the financial freedom to be able to, to step away and provide this, this unique opportunity and, and ultimately generational wealth. Hopefully my, my kids can continue on this legacy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that freedom is, uh, I mean, it, it's like the closer you get, the, the more, <laughs> the more appealing, the more, uh, you know, kind of that sort of Holy grail situation that you realize it is just yeah. being able to sort of do, do what you want, when you want, where you want. Yeah. It is, it is pretty amazing. Um, 
tell us something about yourself that uh, isn't common knowledge, a special skill, a hobby, um, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. <laughs> we can just go with the travel topic because I mentioned travel. So I've been to all seven continents. I actually told my wife I need to travel to all seven continents before we have kids. So mission accomplished, uh, seven continents being Antarctica. And as we speak right now, my wife actually has a job in Antarctica and she is down there for a month. Um, so I, I've been single parenting for a little while with a four and a six-year-old and having two jobs. <laughs> That's, that just opens up so many other questions. So I, I yeah. want to know how, how long did it take you to get, go to seven continents? Like you set that goal, <sighs> like we just did that in you know, did you spend some some good, meaningful time in each? Like, was it? Was it I, I, uh, I that's a great question, too. Um, I've been to Africa twice, and I've been to five African countries. Um, and uh, we traveled a lot prior to, to getting married. So we had a lot of them checked off. Uh, I think after we got married, I think we probably needed three more continents each so yeah and we didn't hit all of them together oddly enough no okay no <laughs> well apparently if, if your wife has a job in Antarctica uh that's yeah. amazing um for sure for, that, that's not just a first on the podcast for me that's the first of anyone I've ever <laughs> met so that's very cool and um uh kudos to you for a single single parenting uh I, yeah i have a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old and it's like sometimes a day when my wife's not home is is a challenge so i can imagine the yes. the, uh, the month is has been a uh, been <laughs> an experience so good for you um when people hear this and they want to reach out to you what's what's the best way to get hold uh yeah i think the easiest thing to do is go to my website vestuscapital.com v-e-s-t-u-s capital.com um if you want to if you want to jam with me on social media linkedin is a place to go and it's just forward slash flint jameson uh i post all the time and i engage awesome awesome um final question for you flint and we'll let, let's target this towards lps but what would you tell someone who's thinking about getting started in real estate and i'm sure you've probably had these conversations um to, to sort of get, set them on the path, you know, to success, what, what would be your message? Um, I'm actually, as, as I mentioned, starting in this new marketing campaign, I'm trying to uh, better assist with that. Um, I'm going to do a whole bunch of very short videos that, that educates all the main frequently asked questions. So stay tuned for that. If you come to my website and when you listen to this in maybe three months, it might be there. But before that, to be honest, if you love podcasts, there's always podcasts to listen to like this one. Um, if you love reading books, the uh, what's it, The Hands-Off Investor uh, by Brian Burke is probably one of the best. But I, th I think from an LP standpoint, get educated because you'll have more confidence in being able to choose an operator and someone you know, like, and trust and be able to give them $50,000 or more to invest in a deal. Yeah, I think, yeah, the education is key. And it, and it sometimes um, I think that it, for LPs, it gets, there. there's a message of, of like, you don't have to 
you don't have to really do anything. You don't, you know, it, that's the, but, but I do think it is to your benefit to, to get educated, understand what you're investing in. And that may be by having conversations with operators or, uh, you know, fund managers like yourself, like that, that may be how you get educated beyond the podcasts and the the books and everything. Cause then if you don't know someone doing it, now you got to go out and find someone. How do you how do you get to the point of no like and trust? And so that's that's where our marketing campaigns come in. But also like it's on those investors to to do their homework and know who they're investing with, what their investment strategy is, you know, what they're trying to get out of it. Because I think that's a lot of it's like, you know, people have talked about this with on the on the podcast before but it's like people say I'm, i want to invest for cash flow well that's great but if you only invest fifty thousand dollars that cash flow is not you're not retiring yeah. on that right so you've got yeah. to have it's not it's not a one-time thing if you're investing for cash flow if you're investing for equity gain sure you can invest your fifty thousand give it time it's going to grow and yeah. it's it's probably no different than you know or, well it's different than the stock market and i believe better yeah. but but the idea is that you're just kind of having this growth over time. So I just think it's a super important point. You know, the, the uh, education of, of an investor, even as a passive investor is, is really key. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Flint, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Um, I appreciate you getting up this morning and <laughs> spending yeah. some time talking. Um, and anybody who likes this episode, please, um, uh, like, rate, and review allows us to reach more listeners. Um, we'll say goodbye here. Thank you, Flint, again. Yes, thank you, Jason. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.